What's happening, everybody? I'm KD Wilson, and welcome to I Lead the Way, a podcast where our mission is to empower, inspire, and uplift educators and scholars around the world to be the best versions of themselves. By way of motivational moments, informative interviews, and real-life experiences, we're going to push the envelope in order to compel our listeners to lead the way no matter where you might be in your life. We believe and know that you were born on purpose, with purpose, and for a purpose. So let's live like it. All right. Welcome to the I Lead the Way podcast with your host, K.D. Wilson, student success and educator empowerment speaker. And today you are in for a treat because I have my friend. I call her good golly, Miss Molly. Her name is Molly Watson, and she will probably share some more about herself. But without any further ado, let me go ahead and bring her in. Miss Molly, how are you? I am good. Good, good. good. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Thank you for your time. How things been with you? What you've been up to? Oh, you know, just working away, getting ready for the holidays. Any, any big plans? Um, pending. Okay. Pending, but relaxation is one of them. But no big, like you're not going to Jamaica or flying to Dubai or anything like that, maybe? No, sir. <laughs> no, siree. <laughs> Neither will I. I will be at home, um, probably trying to hide in a corner somewhere from my little kiddos. I love them, but it's, it's, I just like my time sometimes. I just want my time, but. Oh, yeah. It's cool. It's cool. So, um, obviously, this is our podcast going on here, and not everybody is familiar with you and the work that you do. Would you mind just telling us who you are, what you do, and maybe how long you've been doing it? Okay. Well, um, again, I'm Molly Watson. And I have been working for TRIO programs since 2003. Yeah, and that was not my first profession. And I started that um, as a non-traditional student returning to school. I realized just the difficulties of not only being a first-generation college student when I went to my bachelor's degree, you know, early on, at the Ohio State University. The Ohio State. Yeah, I had to put the bean. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh so then I returned to school much later and I realized it's really challenging. And then the team of TRIO uh, professionals at that college embraced me, supported me. And then, um, and I was really just going back, not to even to get a degree, just to like tweak my, my educational savvy, right? Yeah. And think about to think about going to get a master's degree. So once I finished those some of those courses, they said, hey, we have a job opening and we think that you could really help support students Uh like yourself. So that's how I got into the trio profession um, in the student support services program. Okay. yeah, that's the the history. For those that might not know, um, I know what it is, of course, but what what is TRIO and maybe the significance of um, student support services? Okay, so there are numerous TRIO programs, three of which started in the 1960s, um, and those were developed to help, again, first-generation and income eligibles enter college and succeed in college. So they're federally funded, and the student support services program is the the program that helps students while they're in college to succeed and graduate. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. 
You know, I remember when I was in college, um, I wish I'd known about SSS uh, mm -hmm. because I was one of those kids that had a ton of potential, but didn't know people see my, my butt from my elbow uh, when it came to, you know, getting things done. I didn't know what it was to, um, you know, apply for scholarships or grants. I didn't know the difference between a loan and a grant. Um, I did my own, you know, FAFSA and all those different things. And that's one of the things I appreciate about TRIO is that the exposure and resources that you all, you know, provide for students that were just like me, um, mm -hmm. I think is probably why I've gravitated towards you all so much. Um, and yes. usually the people that that work within those programs have the same type of heart, just like yours, which is why we continue to gel and just mesh as we do. That's right. For sure. So I'm going to throw you off the cuff for a minute. I gave you some questions, but I'm going to take you off for a second. When you were a kid, what did you want to be? Well, I became what I wanted to be, which was a dancer. Really? Yeah. Tell me more. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I was always very physically active. So gymnastics, some sports, but then when I started dancing at like 13, 12 or 13, um, I just, that was, that was my happy place. Uh. So um, when my guidance counselor in high school told me that Ohio state had a dance department. Is in, it the Ohio state? At the Ohio state. Oh, okay. Okay. And he told me that um, you could major in dance in the fine arts department and that I had taken all of my college prep classes. And so I was like, if I did this arts degree that I, I pretty much would just be able to focus on that and, and like all of the classes within fine arts because I had already taken all my math and I, I did have English, but I was really happy about that. You oh, know? Wow. And, but he, when he said that you could actually, you know, major in dance, I, I did that. I did not know that at all. Yeah. Hiding your, what else do I know about you? Are you a secret agent? You got some other stuff? You I am a about? secret agent. You probably are. You I probably am. Are. But what, yeah, so that really, you know, formed, formed my life. Wow. What, what type of dance? Because dance is very broad. Um, right. And I love to dance. Uh, I got three little, you know, minions as I call them. Um, and when we wake up in the morning, I'm usually, I'd toss on some oldies. I'm a Motown guy. So mm -hmm. I'll toss on some old, you know, Stevie Wonder or Sam Cooke or somebody like that. And my kids are six, five, and two, and they're all in there just jamming. And it's That's totally awesome. normal for them just to learn how to move and, and really use their body, you know, mm -hmm. um, in a productive way. Mm -hmm. And I think so many people are, we're, we're taught to lift weights and to walk and to run, but most people are so uncomfortable dancing because they, they've developed insecurities from not just learning how to move and be okay with themselves. Like you, right. you dancing just like fashion is not about what other people think. It's about how you feel, you know, what, what are you doing? What, what comes to life in you when you're moving this way or dressing this way or talking this way? Right. So that's really fascinating. I did not know that you were a dancer. So what type of dancing, uh, what's your, what's your corner? What, what's your niche, as they say? So, <clears throat> so at the time, um, Ohio State, UCLA, and NYU all had like the contemporary elite programs. Um, so it was basically called modern dance, but you know, what is modern dance? So, but it was contemporary forms of dance where we had to study ballet every day to keep 
um, you know, for technique, but the really great thing about that program, and I think the other programs that were really good were that choreographers would come in addition to faculty yeah. from New York. And so they would have a, a guest residency for a year, or at that time we were on quarters or one each quarter. So you were working with New York choreographers who were creating these pieces for the dance company and, and in your courses. So you're really getting a big piece of the world and their thought processes because wow. they're communicating through dance, right? So it was great to work with the faculty at the university as well as the, the choreographers from outside. So that was a big, I don't know, big eye-opening life, you know, expansion education. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. You know, education is not, it's not confined to the four walls of a building. Um, right. It's really in your everyday life, the things you do, the things you don't do. Um, we're always learning something, even when we're not technically doing something, you know? So right. I think that just, that's a really good segue. Just thinking about dance is, you know, you talked about kind of what you do, what led you into that. Um, obviously dance has uh, a sense of reward because you, you get to see, you know, and feel and be in the moment. Um, mm -hmm. How has that transition into how you communicate with your students? You know, those that come through your doors and say, hey, you know, Miss Watson, I want to X, Y, and Z, you know, or, or what about those that say, I want to, but I'm afraid to, you know, you coming from, you know, the position of someone that's been, you know, dancing, uh, which some people might say is, like art, you know, painting or whatever. Yeah. It's, oh, well, you can't make a living being a dancer. You can't make a living being an artist. You know, yes, you can, you know, and not everything that you do has to be your living either. You know, it can still right. be something that you enjoy and love doing day to day, but it doesn't have to be, you know, your, your, your moneymaker, uh, so to speak. So how has that helped you communicate with students that might be having a hard time finding uh, their place? Does that make sense? Absolutely. So I think because of um, not only the dance profession, but then like, you know, what I did to support that was like, I, I worked in the optical industry. You know, I, I've done different things throughout life. So when a student walks in, I don't put any restrictions on what they might want to do. I just try to help guide them to their passion and understand the commitment um, that they need to make to get there. Yeah. So I feel like it, choosing an unusual profession, that's, you know, my mom said, what? What are you? <laughs> I bet. I mean, it just, it opens you up to the possibilities for anyone. And again, it doesn't have to become your profession, but you have to plan how to support it if it's not going to become your right. profession. Here at Hawking College, like we have fashion design, you know, we have everything from, as you know, from being here on campus, um, the equine program, you know, learning how to take care of horses, to nursing, to heavy equipment management. I mean, we have such a wide range of, of possibilities, theater production, yeah. music production. So anytime a student comes in, I just encourage them to keep moving towards what gives them like energy, move towards your energy and your passion. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love it all. Mm -hmm. I love, actually, I'm thinking about that because there was actually, <laughs> when I was there last, 
there was a student, he was an athlete, and he was telling me, he was like, well, Katie, you know, I want to do, I want to do this, but I'm afraid that if I do, it's not going to lead to, you know, anything. And I basically told him, like, man, you know what, and it sounds so cliche, but, you know, what, what does your heart say? Um, I'm not one of those people that likes to have regrets. I'm not one of those folks that likes to look back and say a bunch of what ifs. Right. I'd rather take the chance, fail, and have an answer uh, rather than sitting on hope. Um, and I, I love hope. Hope has its place. But mm-hmm. some people hope that something's just going to fall in their hands and it doesn't work that way. There's some things you right. actually have to actively pursue, you know, like you said. Um, so I love the fact that, that you said, you know, you, you don't limit uh, their, their ceiling. You don't put a ceiling or a roof on them. You really kind of open them up. One of the things I learned about hawking, just the area in Ohio, is that um, in some places, even outside of, it seems, at least in my, my perspective, that exposure is very limited, you know, right. to some of them. So it's almost a different language when you tell them, you know, or you ask the question, what do you want to do? Like when I, when I was at one of the schools there and I asked some of the students that question, they looked at me like I had, you know, five eyes. I was like, you know, so right. what do you want to do one day? It was like, what do you mean what do I want to do one day? Like, th- this is what you have to do. So I'm like, no, like, this, is, this is not what you have to do. Now, that's easier said than done. Right. Because you come from some communities where, you know, it might be massive violence and, you know, serious poverty and things like that. To tell, you know, a young person that, oh, yeah, you can, you can get out of here. Just, you know, it only takes a little bit of this and that. You can't tell them it takes a little bit of this and that. It's, it's right. got to be more. You got to give them practical steps, you know, give them uh, a, a bird's eye view of something outside of where their own feet, you know, are right now. Um, right. So I noticed that there, that was that was one of the big things, which is, again, why I'm harping so much on dance. I, I love the fact that it not only is an artistic expression, but it's exposure. Like you said, you have people coming in from different places and they were saying, hey, have you tried this? Have you looked at it from this perspective? When this beat clicks this way or when this particular genre of music comes in, what does that make you feel? You know, mm-hmm. talking to students and giving that same question, hey, when you think about what it is that you're interested in, how does that make you feel? Does it light you on fire? Does it kind of one of those, eh, whatever? If it's one of those, eh, whatever things, then maybe you're not that passionate about it. But there's some, I mean, I'm like, hey, what are you going to do? And one guy was like, I'm going to be a director of a movie. And then he almost jumped out of his seat, you know, and the other ones was like, hey, so what are you going to do? I just want to get a job and, you know, have a house one day. Okay, cool. No, not to you. But that didn't seem like there was very much life in it, you know. So right. that's uh, that's that's important. That, that's really, really good. Um, with your profession and with what you do, what's been, I guess, what's been one of the most rewarding things you've experienced so far? And uh one of the hardest things to experience in the scope of what you do so it's always really hard when students don't have a goal Uh, don't have a vision like we were just talking about don't have any passion or gumption you know to kind of go after something they sort of seem to be going through the motions that's always um difficult like to try to dig yeah. And out. what do you, you know, what do you see yourself doing? What environment would you like to work in? Like, imagine that you're going to do this for five years or 50 years, like just 
you know, you can do a lot, you can do lots of different things. You don't have to choose one thing. Absolutely. Like, let's find something that rings your bell. And so that's always difficult to try to get students to go inside and yeah. really like think about what, what can I do and what do I want to do? What could I do? Yeah. And so the reward is always when you see light bulbs go off, when you see people pursue, um, when the grit comes into play, when you see them, you know, actually you know, when adversity comes, a lot of times when we make decisions, a lot of adversity will like pop up. Like, oh, right. yeah, I wasn't supposed to do that. You know, maybe I wasn't supposed to come to college. That's, we have a lot of students who are in that situation. Maybe college yeah. is not for me. So, um, you know, that that's always disturbing. And then it's really the biggest challenge is when somebody just totally gives up. Uh, you, know, yeah. you know, just you, when you want it more than they do. That's just, that's disheartening. Yeah. I want them to succeed more than, than they want to succeed. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. I mean, there, there's been so many areas and times in my life when, um, well, actually I'll take that back. It wasn't a whole lot. There were a few people that really saw something in me when I couldn't see to myself. Mm -hmm. And I could tell because those are the ones that got on my nerves the most. Yeah, I got on their nerves the most because I was ticking them off because I wasn't following through living up to my potential. And they were ticking me off because they were in my case all the time, yep. you know, but for somebody like me that really kind of didn't grow up um, with a whole lot of role models, I had to learn to trust myself. You know, I was the only person that I could trust because mm -hmm. I was the one that had been there for me in my hardest of times. And right. I think some, in some instances, uh, some scholars, as I like to call them, um, tend to really shy away from that question because of fear of failure, fear of betrayal, uh, fear that someone's trying to take advantage of them. You know, mm -hmm. um, past experiences and trauma could definitely lead you away from uh, things that you would rather pursue, you know, but our, our brains are hardwired to keep us safe and away from yes. danger, away from hardship, away from trouble. And if I keep myself away from or block myself off from, you know, this lady's asking me a lot of questions. What's her, what's her motive? You know, mm -hmm. why is she always trying to get me to go to school? They, try to get money. <laughs> yeah. they, they want me to go into debt. You know, what, what is it? And for some students, that's real. They come from that place of, you know, having to just be in survival mode, you know? So right. I think if it were, say I were a student that maybe needed or could really use resources like the ones you offer, um, how would you convince me? What, what would be your, what's your pickup line? Uh, <laughs> as, they, as they say, I'm the catch. Well, what do you, what do you bring it yeah, to? Yeah, what, what do I, so, you know, it's funny when I, when I try to bring students in, I never really plan anything, you know, I just start interacting with them and finding out what they need. And if I think that they can utilize, you know, what we have to offer our services and interpersonal assistance, I just basically start telling them what we can offer based on what they need first. And then again, and then in addition, we do this or this, you know, so Maybe they just need right now academic help in a subject. But when you join TRIO, you it's a relationship. So we say TRIO doesn't work unless you work TRIO. Oh. Okay. So 
you can, so the first thing I'm going to do for you is get to know you, you know, and find out what are your needs? What are your strengths? You know, how do you think this educational journey is going to go? And then let's immediately get you help with what you need now. But because these are grant programs that, you know, we need to track these students and find out, did our interventions, did our help, did our assistance actually make a difference? So we need to stay in touch with that student until they graduate and or transfer. Since we're a community college, we work a lot with transferring. Um, so, you know, did we have an effect, right? So, um, yeah, I just talked to him about the relationship and, and all the things that will follow after we meet that first need that they have. And once they come in, they realize they've got a supportive cast of characters who make them feel at home and, uh -huh. welcome and are basically always here to help them find what they need to support them and also to give them a swift kick. Um, you know, they, it's kind of like a family feel. Yeah, they, they generally will, once they get in, once I get them in, they're, they're usually pretty good to go. Yeah. Usually in the long haul. I dig that. Yeah. If I was at Hawking College, and for those students listening, if you were in the Nelsonville area, um, and yeah, if you're going to be around and you happen to run across Miss Molly, do yourself a favor and step into her office, even if it's just to say hi, because when she smiles, it'll brighten up your day. Trust me, I know her. She's awesome. Um, next question for you. Say I am an academic professional, former teacher, which I actually am. And mm -hmm. I'm thinking about doing what you're doing. What's your, what's your two cents? And you can be honest. Give me your, what's your, give me your, your advice. Give me your, hey, consider this. Or, you know, oh, I'm just going to jump in here and do this for a little bit. What are your, what are your thoughts if I want to be a director one day or a part of a TRIO program? Okay. Um, I would say if you've been a teacher and you don't necessarily want to do the classroom kind of, you know, situation, working for a TRIO program at any level, the six through 12 educational talent search program, the 10th through 12 um, upward bound program, the college level student support services program, the college to master's program, which is called the McNair Scholars Program. So all the- ANT. Yeah, you could, you could work, um, you know, at, for, at a, with a variety of age of students, not necessarily being in the classroom and doing all the planning, but interacting and helping the students move forward with all of the appropriate things they need to do so at any level. Would I have the opportunity to kind of spend some one-on-one -on -one time? Like I, I have, I'm, I'm playing the, the role here, but I have a bit of a, a counselor's heart, but I enjoy teaching. Would I be able to do um, kind of any of those things? Do I get to develop relationships with the students? Absolutely. So we would, you know, we love teachers because we present workshops. So the teacher in you, you know, could do a weekly workshop with students. And the more that, you know, the more you develop that, the better it is, right? The more, the better you can execute that. Um, so that's the, the teaching presentation facilitation part of the job. And the counseling part is absolutely a part of it. So we call it 
advising since we're not licensed counselors. Right, right. Licensed counselors do work for TRIO programs. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Every student, one of the pitches I give to students is you're going to have your own free advisor. Like, ah. Who doesn't want that, you know? And, and you'll have a few advisors. So the advisors act as educational counselors. So we say we do personal advising, educational advising, career advising, and transfer advising. And, and counseling comes into play with all of those, right? You guys are like a one-stop shop. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Get exposure, get to go visit different places, do different things. Yeah, the cultural trips. So teachers have often often have experience with taking students on, you know, a trip. We do that. We take them on teach students on campus visits with cultural enrichment. So even from our little town of Nelsonville, I've taken students to from here, taking them to Chicago and Washington DC. So yeah, exposure, like exposure, exposure. Mm -hmm. That's huge. That's huge. Question. Do I get paid like a hundred thousand dollars a year? Is that not quite, is that what I'm, but it, but it does depend on where you work. So, um, you know, trio professionals make a pretty decent salary. I'd say across the board All right. It is dependent upon your grant what the grants, um, you know, the, the salaries are pretty much set within the budget, your institution, and your area. Yeah. Are you, what's the cost of living in your area? But the grants are five-year grants for TRIO. So, you know, there's the top amount in the budget that you can make for each position, and that pretty much um, sets, sets the mark. All right. So at least I don't have to worry about making $10,000 a year. I'll, I'll, no. I, have to, I got enough to live off of at least. Right. Okay. You know, it's not like super lucrative, but you know, the reward is in the service and you know, we do get paid. I dig it. I dig it. Yeah. Well, I only have one more question for you because this is the, I lead the way podcast and it does not have to be in your profession, but in what way, uh, would you say you are leading right now? And then again, that can be, it can be how you brush your teeth in the morning. I don't care. But <laughs> you would say, you know what, man, this one place right here, I believe that if people saw how I do this or if people were trying to get better at this, I might actually be a pretty decent leader in this area. Well, how, how do you lead the way? So I will use, I will use my profession as an Awesome. I would say that I lead by example. I will do anything from anything that I ask, you know, my staff to do. I try to lead within the institution with integrity. I make sure that I'm very responsible. So I, you know, there are directives and parameters, especially with federal grants. Mm -hmm. So I, I, you know, I take that seriously, that responsibility to fulfill you know, what this grant is supposed to do for these students. Integrity. Mm -hmm, integrity. Um, I communicate quite a bit with all levels at the college, um, you know, from the students to the faculty advisors to the management administrators. Um, so I just, yeah, I, I, there's nothing that I won't do. So I'll never ask somebody to do something I won't do. Let's just put it that way. So I just, I by example, yeah. 
I love it. That is awesome. That's yeah. a great quality to have uh, because I always tell students, even I'm doing like workshops, you know, campuses like your own or with SSS programs or you know, talent search that leadership is not based on age. Uh, leadership has nothing to do with uh, the color of your skin or whether you're male or female or you know, anything else in between. It really is about the position of your heart. Are you, do you have the willingness and the courage to step up when something is needed? Um, are you willing to take a risk, even if it's a calculated risk? Mm -hmm. um, and can you see the greater good in moving instead of standing still? Um, right. So that's awesome that the leadership by example, that someone would be able to say, you know what? None of us are perfect, but one thing I know about good golly Miss Molly is that she won't ask me to do something that she wouldn't be willing to do herself. And that, my friend, is absolutely something to be celebrated. And I celebrate you all the time, which is why I appreciate so much the opportunities to come and to sow into your students because you have put together a program uh, where it really is very family oriented, even for those coming in from different states. I had a student from Oakland last time I was there. I talked to him. Sure. Um, you know, that's the opposite side of the world, pretty much, uh, totally different setting. But right. when I talked to him, he was like, man, you know, this is this is home as far as I'm concerned right now, you know, until it's until my time is up. But your program and, and being, you know, in touch with students like that has helped them to to feel that sense of family, even when they're away from their, you know, extended family. So right. um, just kudos to you. Celebrate you for a second and hats well, off to you. Literally thank there. you. And we appreciate when you come, you bring so much amazing, positive energy. The students love you. Well, I love coming up to Hawk. I look forward to coming to hang out with y'all again sometime soon. Yeah, and, absolutely. Man, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything else, any parting words you got for the people? No, I don't think so. I think we covered it. How about get out there and dance? <laughs> yeah, right? Let's there you go. Awesome. Well, Molly, I sure appreciate your time. You're fantastic, my friend. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate you. And I'll have you back on again sometime soon. All right, cool. All right.